Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. It's grace. It's a gift given to the undeserving. No payment required. Nothing is owed in return. Uh, It's God's favor to the unfavorable. It is God's love to the unlovable. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we all know this verse number 8. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. A lot of key words in that one simple passage of scripture. But nothing is more near and dear to children than than their own souls. And that's what we seek to minister to uh, here at Pilgrim Baptist Church, children's souls. That's what the Sunday school program is designed to do. And all that we do here is designed to minister to one another spiritually. We don't want anybody to lose their soul. And certainly a young child, a young infant, we've already gone over all this material. They're covered by innocence and God's grace. If they were to die and not come to an age where they actually understand what sin is and right and wrong, God God takes care of that. But we have to remember children don't stay seven forever. (laughs) They grow up and they become adults. And so when when they're young and you have an opportunity to minister to them, Take advantage uh, of all that time. But some children grow up to love money more than their own soul. Some children grow up to love friends more than their own soul. Uh, Some children grow up to love the pleasures of life more than their own soul. This is why we see so many uh, young people... uh, you know, that 18 to 25 age group uh, so involved with the pleasures of this world. Why? They just simply love that more. And they need to be saved. And so when we see in Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight, it says, by grace, are you saved? And so why does it say you need to be saved? If you imagine being in the parking lot and you're in that parking lot and all of a sudden I just run up to you uh, frantically and I, 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 I grab a hold of your arms and I say, I, I'm, I'm here. I, I must save you. You would think that I'm some type of nut. Who is, what is going on? Who is this guy? You'd probably call the cops. Now, suppose you're in that same parking lot. It's late at night. It's dark. Hardly no one is around except the perpetrator that's coming up to you and is about to rob you by knife point and to take your belongings and, and possibly your life. And I frantically run up and say, I'm, wait, I, I grab on you. I'm, I'm here to save you. I said the same thing. What changed? The picture in your mind, what changed was the situation. Danger. <laughs> When danger is present, salvation is then needed. When danger is not present, salvation is not needed. On one situation, you would call the cops on me. On the other situation, you would be 
grateful that I was there acting in the manner that I was acting. Does that make sense? So children need to understand God's grace, but they need to understand uh, why they need to be saved is because of the danger. And if you don't bring that to light to them, they will never see their need for the Savior because they never see themselves in a position of danger. I've heard many people say to me, and they typically say it when they see you doing public ministry. Well, you really should just be sharing the love of Christ. What that usually means is they don't like you telling other people that they're wrong or they're bad or they're sinners or they're in danger of hell. They don't like any of those words, so they'd rather just extract love. And they do that at their own destruction because God's love is only magnified to its to its glory when we first see ourselves as wretched sinners. It's like I, we, we spoke to two boys over uh, this weekend. And um, I said, if your friend ran out in the street, uh, or if your friend was out in the street and there was a car coming about to hit him and he didn't see it, would you run out and save him? He said, oh yeah, I would. I said, now think of your worst enemy. And I went through some, a little bit with him so he can get his worst enemy in his mind. I said, now, if he was out there, would you run out and say, he goes, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I said, that's what God did for you. Until you allow that young person or that child to see they're actually in danger, they can't really understand the love of God to its fullness. That's why it says, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, he didn't die for us because we're so wonderfully good. He died for us because we were so wretchedly bad. And that's the love of Christ. But danger was the difference. If you were blind and you were walking around with your uh, walking stick, you would be able to feel that, oh, there's a bluff there. I better not take another step forward or I'm going to plummet to my death. If it was pitch blackout and you had a flashlight to guide your path, you could see, oh, there's a bluff there. I better not take another step. I'll fall headlong and die. But if you did not know that there was danger ahead, you would simply walk in confidence the way that you normally walk. And we can't allow our children to grow up just walking confidently as if there's nothing wrong and there is no danger. And as if, well, everybody dies, but they don't die until they're 105. <laughs> no, you could die at any time. You could die at any time. And so we need to make sure we provide walking sticks. We need to provide, we need to make sure we provide a light for them to see. There's a threefold danger that's important for them to understand. One is that we are sinners. A lot of people have a hard time with just with those three words, we are sinners. Uh, the problem is we don't think that we're sinners. That's the second part of the problem. And the third part of the problem is, okay, we're sinners, problem number one. Problem number two, we really, uh, 
we don't think that we are sinners. That's problematic. We don't own up to the truth of number one. But the most dangerous part of this threefold problem or danger is that if we do think we're sinners, it's usually balanced out with, well, I'm not really that bad of a sinner because I haven't done anything as bad as that guy. And so we always pull up something or somebody or some situation in our mind that helps us feel good about our sin because we can always point to someone that's worse off. And the problem with that is we never see our sin as exceeding sinful. It's very important conversations with children because it is most of you have already raised children or are raising them now. And so you know this to be true. You've experienced, you've had this life experience. Brother will always try to elevate himself above sister. Sister will always try to elevate herself above brother when the accusation is brought. No, but he really did, and she really, and it, and you know it turns into a big bottleneck of words. Then they don't really see themselves as exceeding simple. And as a result, they don't tremble. At sin. Remember last week we said that uh, we I think we ended with the devils believe and tremble. And we talked about, yes, you need to believe. But we drew out the distinction of don't have this. Don't allow your children to have the same religion as the devil. And some even worse where they don't even tremble because they don't see themselves in danger. They need to be able to tremble. It, it's not going to affect their self-esteem. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make them really reflect about why they're here, what their purpose is, who their creator is, and what's most important. Romans chapter number four. Verse number four. Romans four, verse four. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You can't purchase salvation with your tears. You can't purchase salvation with your good works. You can't purchase salvation by going back and making all of the wrong that you've done right. This isn't a community service based salvation. That's what religion is. So if you were to see that, if you were to admit that you're a sinner, and if you were to admit that because of your sin, you're separated from God. If you think it's a, if someone tries to sell you on the fact that this is some type of community service based Christianity, you just default right into the danger, that threefold danger that you never allow to see yourself as exceedingly sinful. In other words, there's nothing you can do. Community service won't clean you up. Money won't 
be enough to purchase your salvation, which is why we see in Romans 4, look at the wording, but of debt. But of debt. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you want to work it off or earn it, the only thing that will be accumulated is more debt. Have the conversation of, with money with them about and use that debt analogy. It's Mother's Day today. So you imagine all of the moms getting gifts today from their children. And if mom tried to pay for the gift, the child would probably go into the room heartbroken, crying. It would be an insult to the child because they spent all this time coloring and drawing and looking and shopping and figuring. And, and then mom says, well, here, let me pay for it. But no mom would do that. It'd be ridiculous. It'd be so out of context that it would ruin the whole, the whole afternoon. Well, that's the same thing with God. He extended a gift, and now we stand at the foot of the cross. And instead of just receiving the gift, we want to offer money or this or that. And it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. A loan is something that you pay back. A financial gift is something that you don't pay back. If you were to give me a gift, what would it cost me? Nada. It wouldn't cost me anything. What would it cost you? Something. It cost you something. If you were to give me a gift today, next Sunday, would you ask for it back? Of course not, because nobody gives gifts like that. Just me bringing up these extreme analogies to show how ridiculous it would be to do any of the things that we've been talking about. Yet when we come to the cross or we come to having to deal with our sin or Jesus Christ. We throw all of our logical sense out the window and we deal with. Jesus so differently. We deal with the cross so differently. It's insult it's insulting to him. You're insulting your savior. And these analogies, these really hot and cold analogies will really help open up the conversation with your child. First John chapter number 5. I mean I guess besides John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have. That means it would last for. So that means you're eternally saved and secure. I mean, is that, am I reading into the text? Is that pretty easy to understand? Besides John 3, 16, I guess you can go to a bunch of them. I start thinking about it. There are other verses, but look at, look at 1 John First John chapter five, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God, 
that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. A child says, well, how do I know? How can I really know that I'm saved from the danger of my sin? Adults ask this question too. Young, young adults ask this question because religion has told them that you really need to try to live your life as a good person which if I stop right there, that's a pretty truthful statement. It, I mean, don't you want to live your life as a good person? Except if you're living it as a good person to merit salvation, that's where the line has to be drawn. Anybody that ever doubts eternal security, and if your child ever doubts their salvation, bring them to this verse. And ask them, have you believed, look at the verse, verse 13, have you believed on the name of the Son of God? Yes, okay, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Well, I'm not sure. Okay, did you believe on the name at, of the Son of God, the end of the verse? Yes, okay, then you have eternal life. Well, I was... You know, I, I talked back to you pretty bad this morning, Mom, and I think I lost my salvation. No, you didn't lose your salvation. You just lost. <laughs> you just lost the privilege of having dessert tonight. That's what you lost. OK, <laughs> but, but you didn't lose your salvation, honey. Now go back to your room because you're going to be in there for another hour. <laughs> you didn't, what did you lose? You lose. You lost time to play outside. You lost. Right. But you didn't lose your salvation. And this is so important because Christians get so meshed up on this. Look, I am not recommending you live as a carnal Christian. And I know you are not recommending that I live as a carnal Christian. Matter of fact, I'd said before, I don't even like putting the two words together in a sentence. It's like jumbo shrimp. It can't be both. It's either jumbo or it's shrimp. It's you know, driving on the parkway. You're going to park there. Or you're going to drive there. It's I don't know if they don't have parkways here. That's a New Jersey thing. But. The point is, <laughs> eternal security isn't a doctrine to give people a license to live carnally. It's a doctrine about the glory of God and the magnificent saving power of him in spite of our inability to live like Jesus, okay? And your kid won't ever live like Jesus, and I won't ever live like Jesus, and you won't either fully in this life. But we should strive toward it. How many kids that are playing Little League right now, when they came home and they lost the ball game, their mom and dad said, well, just quit. You'll never be like whoever the, whoever the major MLB player is now. In Major League Baseball, whoever the hero is, you'll never be like that guy, so you might as well just quit now. It's not a reason to quit because you haven't reached the mark. They need to understand that distinction. Grace keeps that child. It's unmerited favor. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Or two Corinthians, if you're 
<laughs> they say that some folks overseas use that term. But anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, the Bible says in verse number 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You know what Christ did? He relinquished his rights for us. He became rich because we were so wretchedly poor and deep in sin. Or he became poor. He left his richness. Would you come down from heaven? You know, if you were to die today and then tomorrow, you know, you're with the Lord. I doubt the first thing you said would be, Lord, you know, I just can't wait. I really want to go back to, you wouldn't, because you would see how glorious it is to be with the Father. Yet, God sent his only begotten son down, and he willingly came and served in obedience his Father's will. And he did his Father's will. And he willed that all would be saved. That doesn't mean all get saved. It means that's what God's will is. Don't ever look at a person and say they can never be saved, no matter how awful they are. Talked to two homeless persons uh, this week. Came up to the church house, and they're hanging out in the back. And, uh, you know, they have money for cigarettes. Cigarettes are expensive. It's not like you're buying a Snickers bar for a dollar and a half. I mean, cigarettes are expensive, man. They're like $6. And the one just got out of jail. And the other one doesn't have a job either. I mean, one guy just got out of jail. He don't have a job. And I just can't help myself. I guess I was just born this way. I always seem to ask, wait a minute. How do you have money for cigarettes? <laughs> And they miss, miss eternal life. And I've gotten used to just saying, look, I know I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't heard. <laughs> because we're so spoiled in America that you can go, you can get yourself incarcerated. And you might even be better off because there'll be churches that'll go into the church. You can't leave. You're locked up and they're going to tell you about Jesus Christ. That's how spoiled Americans are. Look, it's a great thing. Jail ministry is a, is a great thing. But you can't get away from the gospel in America. You can't get away from it. They know head knowledge, but they just, they, just, they just can't get a hold of what it really means. Christ left his riches so that he, he can bestow eternal life. Give it out to you as a free gift of grace. Look at Romans 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3 verse 24. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Being justified. That means restored. To God's favor. Remember you're unfavorable. He restores you. He justifies you. 
He doesn't make you right. He declares you right. He doesn't make you right. He imputes his righteousness to you. He accredits his righteousness to your account. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Well, my child won't understand the word justified. Well, you explain it to them. Something that is just is something that is right. You are not right. So that would mean that you are unjust. And you need to be justified. How are you justified? How are you declared right? By your work? No. Have them look at the text. By mommy and daddy's religion? No. Just have them read. By his grace. Freely given. Freely offered. No strings at all attached. Um, look at uh, Romans 4. Look at the sixth verse. Should be right on the same page or one page over. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness, comma. But that's not where the comma comes, because there's two more words. What are those words? Without works. You can't have imputed righteousness with works. It can only occur unto whom God imputeth righteousness Without works, imputed, charged to, attributed to you or your account. What does that mean, Mom? That means you see your piggy bank? If I took money out of my bank account and I put it in your piggy bank, I just attributed to your account. I just credited your account. I just imputed money into your account. And that's what God does. He imputes his righteousness. Because you don't have any. And he don't make you right. You're all wrong. You're all bad. You're all black. You're black. Your heart's black. Your, your soul's black. It's just dark with sin. Sheds the light of Jesus. Men love darkness rather than light. Their deeds are evil. Everything about you is evil. God says, I'm going to give you my righteousness. And it is going to be based on nothing at all that you do. Without works. Now, if you showed up my, at my doorstep. If you left me a wheelbarrow of cash. And I came home and I saw that wheelbarrow of cash. And I just walked right over it. I went inside, went about my business, did my thing. It wouldn't do me any good. I'd still be in debt. I still wouldn't have money for food. I, it would do me no good. If I went home and you had left a huge box of food on my doorstep, and I just walked right over it and went to the house, my children and myself would, would continue to starve because we haven't received that gift. It's just sitting there. If you left a suitcase of clothes in the middle of winter on my doorstep, my children and myself would still continue to freeze 
if we just walked right over the gift and went about our business. And isn't that what people do with the grace of God? He leaves it right on their doorstep. What do you mean by that? Go to a dollar store. You can find a Bible. Go to a cornbread festival in Putnam County. You will find a Christian offering you eternal life. It's really my prayer that nobody in Putnam County would ever have, would ever be able to say, I just never knew anything about Jesus Christ. That is our debt to this community. Nobody, nobody should stand before God and say, yeah, but nobody offered me a track. It's a great thing. You know, Chris is, you know, coming out and doing public ministry now. He's got a couple of them under his belt. And he, you know, I remember when we took him out first time, you know, knocking doors and he missed the house. And, and uh, so, you know, come around and we we're going to go to another section. He said, you know, Brother Jimmy, I, I just really I, I really want to go back to that house. I didn't. That was the only one on that street that I missed. And I, I just don't feel good about, you know, going on to something else before we finish. I said, yeah, you're right. Hey, let's go back. You're right. So I took him back there and he went up to that house and he left the track and then we moved on. And that's the type of attitude and spirit we should have. We don't want anybody to not know about Jesus Christ. And that's that's the heart of evangelism. Um, Galatians chapter number three. Galatians chapter number three. Let's go there. Oh, boy, I didn't realize it's getting so late. Okay, there it is. Galatians chapter number three. There's the putting on. Galatians chapter number three. Look at verse number 27. Bible says in verse 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into water have put on Christ. No, have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You don't put on Christ in the water. You put on Christ when you trust in him and he imputes his righteousness. He also baptizes you with his spirit and you have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, you don't have to turn there. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That glorious gift of salvation that is brought to your door. The question is, have you received it? The question is, the box of clothes, have you put them on? Or are you just sitting there, standing on your front porch saying, yes, I believe that those are clothes. Yes, I believe that that is money. I know I have debt and I believe that that's money and you just go on. You never put it on. The old parachute story. Yes, I believe that we're plummeting down to the earth. Hmm, that's a parachute. Yes, I believe that that's a parachute. I intellectually understand it's a parachute as we are plummeting to our death at thousands of miles per hour. Nobody in their right thinking mind would do that. Why? Back to the parking lot, the danger. What would they do? They'd grab that parachute, they'd put it on. And that's what we need to do with Christ. Don't walk past the food. Don't walk past the clothes. Don't walk past the money. Put it on. 
receive it and you become a new man, a new creature, if you will. There's a difference now. Go to Romans chapter number 10. People have asked this. Do you have to believe in or do you have to believe on? Both. But if you do one without the other, you can still be lost. Remember we said that the devils believe and tremble? They believe in Jesus. They just haven't believed on Jesus. And if this question ever comes up, we can simply address it as, well, which one is it? Both. Both. You can't just believe in him. A lot of people believe in him. Nicodemus believed that he was teacher, and all, but he didn't believe on him until he met Christ. He said, you must be born again. So you've got to have both. You believe in the virgin birth. You believe in the deity of Christ. You believe in the fact that he died on the cross. He buried. He was buried, rose again three days, three nights later. He ascended. He see at the right hand of the father. You believe intellectually in all those things. But if you haven't believed on him, if you haven't put him on, if you haven't repented of what your trust has been in and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, then all you have is head knowledge. And it's not going to do you any good. That's why Romans 10 verse 14, it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We must, we must compel people to believe in him. But also in Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. You've got to have both of those. You've got to have both. 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Verse number nine, second Timothy one, verse number nine. Bible says, uh, okay, end of verse number eight, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling. Watch this, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. And watch it again. And grace, which was given us Christ Jesus before the world began. We're going to go back to our story. We're in the parking lot. I run up to you. Your perpetrator is there attacking you and is going to possibly murder you and steal all your belongings. And I run up. It's the middle of the night. And as I run up, to save you, I realize I'm shaking around. I'm here. I can save you. And as I'm in the midst of that, I realize I get a, I get a look in, the, in, in your eyes and I realize, wait a minute. That's the man that broke into my house. The perpetrator is attacking the one who was broken into the Savior's house. And I'm trying to save somebody and I realize... He's the one that murdered my wife and children. He's the one that burnt my house down to the ground. Yet I saved that man. And in the midst of doing that, 
I'm the one that ends up getting stabbed by the murderer in the parking lot. I chase him off. I save that man's life, but I'm the one that's getting stabbed. I'm lying on the parking lot, bleeding out to death. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you look down at me and say, I've got some Reese Pieces I just bought in the store. Can, can I offer you some of those? Who would do that? Oh, thank you so much, sir. Let me let me get out my wallet. You know, I've got I've got ten or twenty dollars left over. Can I can I leave you with that? It would be insulting to the man. It's blasphemous to even think of it. You would never do that. Yet millions of people do that with Jesus Christ every single day. And our children must understand the danger that they're in, but also the danger that they've done. Even a little white lie is enough sin to separate them from a holy God. Really? When you say really, it just means you don't understand just how glorious God is. And we must be able to bring that picture to their mind. Don't offer anything to God. Because the same way, if you would try to offer me in that story, in that picture, in that parking lot, it would ruin the entire relationship. If you shed a tear when you get saved, it better not. It better be because you're so sorrowful and grateful that God saved you. It better not be, well, I'm emotional. I must be saved. <laughs> because then you got to make everybody emotional or they ain't saved. Tears ain't going to save you. If you're crying out to God and you're praying out to God, it better be to save your soul. It better not be. Well, I said these prayers and the words that the man told me to repeat, I'm trusting. You better not trust in that. Because the man that didn't pray the prayer you prayed, how you prayed it, repeating it how you repeated it, you got to be careful of those things. Might you shed a tear? Sure. Don't trust it for salvation. Should all men pray and cry out to God and confess him with their mouth? Yes. But you better hope that you're trusting in what God did for you, not magic words. Because your magic words aren't going to save you. If you have money, great. Keep working, save it, invest it, do what you got to do with it. Just don't put your hope in it for salvation. Your children have emotions. Be careful with their emotions. They're true. They're real. They're there. Don't have them trust their emotions for salvation. They must trust. Jesus Christ. Tears may be there. Emotions may be there. Prayers may be there. But just make sure they know what or who, I'm sorry, and who they're trusting in. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.